<laughs> Pussy boots laps in the face of death. Bounty hunter. So I've heard. You will find your reward does not come easily. This I tell you. Everyone thinks you'll be the one to defeat me. But no one's escaped me yet. Uh, Alright, let's get it over with. Fear me if you dare me. Okay, no more messing around. Huh. Huh. Slow, huh. sloppy. Yes. to H-E-B and I bought a Batman doll and then in the morning, yeah I saw and when I woke up on Saturday morning I looked at it and I was like what the hell I'm going to do with this like it's your favorite fearless hero it's Batman it's it's Batman it is depresso Batman hilarious. your favorite fearless hero is depressed Batman it's next to the turbo doll too as it should be that's a good place for him hilarious the viewing experience, though, that was still actually pretty good. I you... I love this movie. Okay. Have you seen it multiple times or just once? I have now seen it three times. So I saw it once in theaters with Matthew, and Matthew and I were both kind of drunk. Not like drunk drunk, but we'd had a couple drinks. And uh, we were like, wait, that kind of ripped. Like... <laughs> Why did that rip so hard? And so then I was like, Greg, Puss in Boots ripped. Greg, 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 Greg. Puss in Boots kind of ripped. We should go see Puss in Boots. <laughs> and then it was negative 14 degrees. And we were like, mm, I don't really want to go to the movies right now. I don't want to go outside. Yeah. So we decided to rent it. You can get it on Prestige Rental. And it happened to be on sale on one of the services we already had. So we got it for 48 hours. I watched it once with... Greg, and then I was like, I feel like my dad might dig this. So I was like, Father, have you seen Puss in Boots in The Last Wish yet? And he's like, I think you know full well that I have not. Hilarious. And I was like, I think you should watch it. It's pretty good. And he's like, okay, but I'm not, I'm not like watching an animated movie alone. Like I'm a 70 year old man. I got other <laughs> shit to do. So then we watched it together. And then he watched it again the next day alone before oh. the rental ran out. Okay, all right. So we did end up watching it. I watched it three times. He watched it twice in the course nice. of like a month, maybe. Oh, wow. Okay. What did your dad think of it? He liked it, but he it did a couple of DreamWorks-isms that he really can't stand. <laughs> like which what? is like valid. He's like, there are too many jokes and too much stuff. And sometimes I feel like DreamWorks trying to 
appeal to children gets in the way of the story they're telling. Okay. That's the only criticism I really have of this movie. The the care in which Pixar kind of curates its story beats for family, as yeah. in everyone in the family, kind of wish this had had that level of care because there are a couple things that feel like they don't. But before we get into the things that don't work, what are some of the stuff that you loved about it that did work? I think this is the only way that they are ever going to be able to get Antonio Banderas to acknowledge that he is getting older. I mean, he's on the salt and pepper in movies now. He's almost there. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, as an adventurer, right? This movie is about what does it mean to give your whole life to the adventure and then be too old to do that? Because, like, he's just pivoted now to playing different kinds of, like, heroes. Like, he's still in movies, like, the guy who does the right thing. Now he's just, like, the business guy that does the right thing or the dad that does the right thing or the guy who does the wrong thing. But he's never the hero trying to figure out how to retire or whatever. Yeah. And I feel like they're like, Mr. Banderas, would you like to make a movie about, like, Zorro realizing that maybe, you know, life is (laughs) – his adventuring days are behind him? And he's like, no. And they're like, would you like to make a movie about that? But it's a cat. He's like – Perhaps. Um, (laughs) So I really like that aspect. I also think that I'm a sucker for a good found family narrative, which I think works really well. Yeah, they had two of these bad boys in this one. Mm -hmm. I'm also a big fan of the specifically scary, but not creep, like not gross depictions of death as characters. Oh, I love death in this movie. I think so that's all of Twitter. Part. Twitter is super horny for him. Oh man, hey, cue the boing sound effect. <laughs> I, I Matthew was like, do you do you know everyone's super horny for this wolf? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, for that's, me, is it because he's tall? Because <laughs> he's tall, tall with cocaine red eyes. <laughs> I did like Puss in Boots. I was attracted to his character. Well, I don't, I don't know the actual pronouns of death. Uh, I don't know if death has I think pronouns. They probably they, solid. Yeah, pretty much. But I, what was it like? It was just, I was actually kind of thinking in the middle of this movie with watching Puss be confronted with mortality, and it led me to thinking about my mortality and the idea that. We all walk on Earth knowing that our time will be over soon. And I think a lot of people either wrestle with the idea that I'm terrified of it or you kind of come to realization that it's going to happen and there's nothing we can do about it, so you have to embrace it. I'm more in the camp of embracing it. And I know, like, point one second before it happens, I'm going to be terrified of my mind, but I've come to the realization that I'm okay with it. But watching it on screen, it was kind of like, it really does feel like they captured death in its kind of just unrelentingness, uh, unrelenting way of just like, I'm going to come for you and you're going to have to confront me. It, ma- it doesn't matter what you do. You're going to have to stand up to me in some way. And I, I really kind of appreciated that. I did too. And I also really appreciated the way that, you know how people who who don't respect death 
like I don't want to be like generally pejorative, but they are perhaps more likely to make decisions that would get them killed. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's really interesting that Puss is that. Yeah. He has never been careful. He has never been precious with the time that he has been given. And so death has taken that personally. This is an affront to him. Don't you understand that life is precious? Yeah. Oh, you don't. Great. I'm on my way. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that I also really appreciate because it is a lesson you can teach kids, but it doesn't mm-hmm. feel preachy. Yes. It's not like, and this is why you need to value every day that you have because every day is a miracle. Like, no, it's like, <laughs> listen, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yes. Being a hero is great, but also you have to have respect for everything. Yeah. I can't speak for Twitter overall, but that really attracted me to the character of Death. Well, I guess technically Death is called Wolf, but I mean, same difference basically. But um, I really I really thought he did it really effectively. Yeah, I, I also think that the voice that they got for him is just is really good. It was really just chilling. And it was such a the way that he spoke was very staccato and clipped and whereas Antonio Banderas' Puss in Boots is kind of purring his way through every line. So even the way that they talk and the way that they fight and the way that they move are diametrically opposites. Yeah. Shout out to Wagner Moreau. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. He's a Brazilian actor, so shout out to him. He did a he did a really good job. And my second favorite character, Perito. The little, the little oh dog. my god. He was I, great. He was uh, so good. Oh, his path is so corny. Gracias. And cheesy. And lame. And weird, like him. Yeah. Why are you so ridiculous, dog? What's your story? My story? Oh, it's actually a very funny story. <laughs> Back when I was a pup, me and my litter mates lived with a family, a family full of pranksters who liked to play hide and seek, and I was always it. Take on the little guy, am I right? They tried putting me in a packing crate, a dumpster. No matter how hard they try, I'd always find them. So one day, they get creative, and they put me in a sock with a rock in it, (laughs) and then throw me in a river. I gnawed a hole in the sock and I swam to the surface. <laughs> Never found them <laughs> or my litter mate, so I guess I'm still it. <laughs> wow. That is the saddest, funny story I've ever heard. <laughs> well, joke's on them. That sock they put me in, I grew into it. So, I got a great story and a free sweater out of it. Win-win! Dude, you didn't win. You, of all people, should have a wish. I already have a comfy sweater and two best friends. I got everything I could wish for. No magic required. That's the saddest, funny story I've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was... It was... <laughs> yeah, man, like... Yeah, it really was. The... <laughs> uh, I... <laughs> I feel like that's what dogs are in real life. Just keep yeah. sad at the same time. So they really got the shit off with that one. I can definitely say that. And I also feel like he didn't ever get annoying. Yeah. Like, to yeah. me, he, he exists in a very similar box to like Olaf from Frozen. 
where when they were like, and there's going to be a snowman sidekick. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> and he talks. This is going to suck. This is going to be so annoying. Jesus Christ. And instead they just like picked their spots. Yeah. And we're like, this is where we deploy this character. And also we are going to make him at least interesting enough that yeah. you aren't mad if he does something stupid. Yeah. And I was I was rarely, if ever, mad at his character through this whole movie. The only like thing is like from the get go, I'm like, stand up for yourself, burrito, you're worth it. Like <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, yeah. But they <laughs> the fucking <laughs> the fucking sweater sock, whatever the fuck. <laughs> well, and they took they tried... and it and it took it off. <laughs> they animated they, that they, really well. They they tried to drown him. Uh, oh my god oh my god i felt so fucking bad jesus christ i felt so bad yeah it's heartbreaking yeah i know i know man one of the things that i don't know if this was me but in the animation so there was kind of a they kind of and correct me if i'm wrong but it felt like whenever there was non-action it was very kind of kind of standard animation and then as soon as they went to the action it felt like they went immediate spider-verse like hyperkinetic shit yeah unlike uh kind of the last couple of animated films that we watched i actually did like the color palette in this movie and i did like the action sequences but i did feel it was a bit derivative of spider-verse would you what do you think of that sure the coloration is definitely reminiscent of but I do think that we are able to exist now in this cool time where two and a half D animation, which is what that is, it's a hybrid of two and three D animation, okay. is gonna be a lot more accessible, right? Because Spider Verse kind of figured out the code, and with computer enhanced animation, like there's a lot that can be done now for a lot easier, right? Yeah. I feel a little bit like comparing these things in some ways is kind of being like. Andy Warhol and the Mona Lisa. And you're yeah. like, th- th- and, and then you're like, why? And they're like, well, they're both paintings. <laughs> and it's like, all right. If there were more action sequences, like with the exception of the first one, there's not a lot of like swinging on things. The action is different enough from a lot of the Spider-Verse action in terms of actual movement style that while I was like, oh, it's kind of like that the Spider-Man act- animation style. I wasn't like, Ugh, how dare puss swing on a rope like Spider-Man would swing on a web. That cat bastard. Yeah. No, no, I, I agree. I agree with that. I see where you're coming from that. Uh, I, and I, I have no relationship with the other Puss in Boots movies, so... Um, I think it's honestly... I, I thought the first Puss in Boots movie, I was like, oh, that was like better than it had any right to be as a spinoff <laughs> of a Shrek movie. Yeah. And then this one, I was like, Son of a bitch. This one is better than it has any right to be being a sequel to a spinoff of a Shrek movie. <laughs> Hold on, so is this a second one or a third one? I think there was a direct-to-television one. I don't know if you count oh. that. Uh, oh, well, I'm looking on Wikipedia to see if Wikipedia counts it, and Wikipedia does not count it, so I will not count it. And also, for a movie that came out 11 years after its predecessor this could have sucked shit and everybody would have been like well 
it still would have entertained kids during Christmas break. It was the only animated movie that came out during like Christmas break. Yeah. It still would have made money. It would have been fine. And everyone would have been like, yeah, all right. Like they're going to shut this whole shit down and reboot Shrek soon anyway. So whatever. Yeah. And now everyone's like, is this going to be the Shrek reboot? Is this the beginning of the Shrek reboot? Wait, why do I care (laughs) about the Shrek reboot all of a sudden? And I'm like, this is me just looking at it from someone who kind of follows the trends in animation, right? Mm-hmm. DreamWorks is not known for wearing its heart on its sleeve in animated films, especially lately. Okay. The the DreamWorks slate, let me just pull up their kind of recent movie offerings. The Boss Baby, Family <laughs> Business, Trolls World Tour, The Crudes, The New Age, uh, Abominable was actually okay, but it wasn't super emotional. It was, like, just a buddy film, but it was cute. Captain Underpants. <laughs> the Boss Baby. None yeah. of these, in my opinion, are... I get The Bad Guys was good, but it wasn't... Yeah, it wasn't this. Kung Fu Panda 3. Apparently the Kung Fu Panda movies are fine, but... Eh. Home. The movie where Rihanna plays a, a, a little girl. The Penguins of Madagascar. Turbo, the movie about the drag racing snail. <laughs> what the fuck that are these movies? Europe's most wanted 3D. Rise of the Guardians was good. But, like, you see how a lot of these movies are not really emotionally centered? Yeah. I think that's why I'm surprised that they just were like, oh, by the way, we're just going to swing in here with a pretty, like, deep emotional narrative. Yeah. And then when you think about their other offerings, you're like, Jesus Christ. They, like, built a trench for DreamWorks. This is it's such a turn, and I mean that as a compliment, yeah. from kind of their standard fare. Not that I'm saying the troll that shits glitter isn't charming, I guess, but <laughs> glitter toots do not do it for me in the way that a cat looking at his mortality does. <laughs> so if they did a donkey movie, would you be on board? No. Really? Uh... <laughs> Well, so I have a couple of issues with the general handling of Donkey by outside of the film folks. So, like, for example, there is a Donkey meet and greet in Orlando where it is pretty clear that Donkey's being voiced by a white guy. Jesus Christ. But he's still doing the voice. He's still doing the voice. And it's a little uh, black voice-ish. (laughs) <laughs> Remember when everyone was mad at Aquafina for doing that? Uh, yes. <laughs> Present. <laughs> yes. Same energy. I also think that Donkey was often deployed to be chafing in the Shrek universe. Yeah. And I do wonder how well a movie centered around the character that's meant to be annoying would go. Yeah. Valid, valid. Critique. So those are my two concerns with the donkey movie. Now, if they are like, it's actually a pastiche on the Tigger movie, like the Winnie the Pooh movie, where he's trying to find his other family of talking donkeys, and he realizes that his real family was there the whole time after going on an adventure to try and find them. Yeah. Like, shit, all right. If y'all say it's good, I'll check it out. Fuck, like. <sighs> Hilarious. But you say donkey movie, and I go, no, we just got, no. 
I mean, that's the thing, because the reason I brought it up, because we were talking about Twitter chatter, and folks were clamoring for, we had a Puss in Boots movie on, we have a Donkey movie, so, and we're kind of in the time where Eddie Murphy is back in, he was never outside of Hollywood, so we're back in Eddie Murphy getting part space, so it could happen in 2025. If he, like, showed up and was like, I executive produced this Donkey movie, and like I put a lot as if he put as much care into a donkey movie as he put into his other projects, like yeah. of late, I would feel obligated to give it a chance. Now, if he was like, I am starring in a donkey movie and had nothing to do with the creative process, I'd be like, <laughs> I'll let somebody else wander into that line of fire first. Yeah, understandable, understandable. So. What were some of your reservations about Puss in Boots, The Last Wish? I think for me, I think the only thing I didn't, it's not I dislike, but I didn't really care for one way or the other. And this may sound a bit strange, but I didn't really care about Puss's relationship with Kitty. I didn't care if they got together again or not. I didn't care about Puss's relationship with Kitty. But I did care about Kitty's happiness. Yeah, those are two different things. Yeah. Yeah, they are. But if she wound up deciding that her happiness was with him, cool. And that's how I felt. And that seemed to be how the movie felt. She decided to take a chance on on trusting him. And she believed that that would bring her happiness. Yeah. Cool. That's what the movie wanted for her. That's what I wanted for her. If she had just decided, like, fuck it, Perito and I are going going our own way, I would be like, <laughs> love that for you. That's another thing I really kind of liked about it was that it seemed like the narrative was more invested in the individual character's happiness than in them getting together. Mm-hmm. And like, we still don't know if it was like romantic or not. All we know is that the three of them are still adventuring together and they have a, a little squad. I don't know if they fucking, I don't care if they fucking, I'm sorry, furries, <laughs> please don't come for me. Hilarious. They seem happy together. Perito seems happy with them. Yeah. Live and let live. Other than their relationship, was there anything else you had reservations about this movie? When I heard about it, I was like, God damn it. I don't trust DreamWorks to turn out a consistent quality product, especially where the Shrek franchise is concerned. And especially mm-hmm. lately. And so then I heard like the first couple, like, this is really good. And I was like, okay, but that's like, on a curve, right? Y'all are just saying, like, for <laughs> a bullshit kids movie, this is better than it could be, right? Yeah. And then a couple more people were like, no, this is actually really solid. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> hmm. I also didn't see any advertising for it on television, on YouTube. And, like, I feel like I am primed for animated Target ads. <laughs> the algorithm should have got you, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, especially because, like, I like cats. I used to sword fight, and I like animated movies. <laughs> Hilarious. This is, this is the Catherine Chinetti triple crown right here. Now, I will say the first time you reviewed this movie, you gave it four stars. Upon revisiting, you gave it four and a half stars. So is this your early favorite 2023 movie? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> All right, all righty. In in fairness, I have not seen a lot of new movies this year. I've I've been spending some time kind of digging back and watching 
some retro stuff that I want to catch up on before we kind of have our new movie extravaganza. I would say I liked this better than Knock at the Cabin. Really? Well, you rated it. So, yeah. Um, I I think Batista's performance for me pushes over the edge, but teach his own. Teach his own. I just, the more that I think about the story of Knock at the Cabin, the more I'm like, uh, it's yeah. goofy. It's, it's like, goofy. So now. here's the thing. The reason I started rating Puss in Boots higher on the subsequent rewatch is like, I'm going to watch this a second time and I'm going to be able to just like poke holes in it so big I could drive a truck through them. And like, mm-hmm. I know this is going to happen and I'm bummed that it's going to happen, but like, it is going to happen, you know? Yeah. And then it didn't. And I realized that this is like a very tightly woven sweater. And all of the little bits line up, including, like, each time that they change who has the map, the yeah. guitar, the guitar, little flamenco guitar riff is their leitmotif. So, so Puss is his fearless hero. The dog is the dog one. The bears is the bears one. And I was like, that's pretty cute. <laughs> it's been a really long time since, to me, it has felt like the writers of DreamWorks movies have really cared and I think that M. Night Shyamalan cared a lot, too. But, like, the suspense for that movie doesn't work if you are unable to buy into it. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, damn. I don't think I could ever watch that again and, like, have the <laughs> as positive of an experience as I had. Yeah, I mean, you can't throw on Knock at the Cabin in the background. Just kind of let it marinate. This, this is not one of those type of watches. So I dig that. Technically... This was a 2022 movie. This came out about the last week and a half of December. If you had seen this movie in December, would this have been top three movie for you of 2022? Well, it may not be in my top three, like, best empirically movies. I would say that it is probably in my top three favorite fun movies. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. It certainly beat Avatar's fucking breaks off, in my opinion. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Do you want to have a quick conversation about Avatar? (laughs) That movie was dumb as hell. It looked beautiful. It was dumb as hell, man. Uh, Even even though, again, the the video game animation in the crowd scenes, (laughs) it looks better in the first movie when there's a group of them. I don't understand how you fell backwards that far while spending that much money. Did you see it in IMAX? Yes. Yes. I saw it in IMAX, in 3D, in the high frame rate. Well, 3D? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I committed. I wanted to feel the breath of the mighty Ilu, and I didn't. I was like, by the time we got to the water people, I was like, there's two fucking hours of this left. Oh, my God. See, no. By the time we got to Sigourney Weaver's Jesus epilepsy, I was like, okay. And then they're like, and we're not going to resolve that storyline in this one. And I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? We need five more, Kat. We have to we have to string along the story somehow. And you, have to, you know I'm the one that's like, I'm ready for the seed bearer. Bear me them seeds. Like, I... Cat is flustered. As long as it felt like a theme park ride, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah." And this one, I was like, a little merry-go-round, a little. Once they left the air tribe, I was like, oh, 
or the forest tribe. I was like, oh, so everything I liked about the last movie is over now. <laughs> and also, we have now somehow managed to make it a fish out of water story again. again. <laughs> around Centered around Jake Sully again. again. Oh, and also this white boy has dreadlocks. I know. He's awesome. And, and the next one, they're going to be there again, too, so. Well, uh, I'm assuming they're going to move to the Fire Tribe next, maybe? Yep, I don't know. That's, what I, that's and, what I saw, yep. And and the Fire Tribe is going to be like, nah, bruv. And he's going to be like, I will prove my loyalty to you. And they'll be like, all right, but you're going to have to learn to do things the way that we have to do things. And Neytiri's going to be like, Jack Sully, I don't want to do things the way they want to do things. And she's, he's going to be like, I need you to work with me here. And she's going to be like, no. And then one of their other kids is going to die. And Sigourney Weaver's going to be Jesus again. <laughs> and maybe one of them will die, but I don't think they'll kill off Neytiri because, God, James Cameron really is horny for her. It's awful. And Spider is going to, like, probably end up getting captured again. Or actually, if they were smart, they would capture Sigourney Weaver and use her as bait. Because clearly he wants to fuck that Navi. Oh, my. Am I wrong? No, you're not. <laughs> and also the camera wants to fuck that Navi. The the little, the blue, uh, no, I'm sorry, the little green girl from the, the water tribe. Every yeah. time she gets out of the water, the camera's like, Hah! and I'm like, no, 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 for, no, 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 no. For those who cannot see what I just saw, cat damn near licked the microphone. Oh, my. Yeah, buddy. I just wanted to, like, see some flying bird things. <laughs> see, man, you. I think you messed up with seeing it in 3D, man. I Oh, the no, honestly, the 3D was the best bit, because when they were doing that scene at the beginning where they were, like, bombing the convoy, I was like, wee! Like, I was feeling the fantasy. And then all of that ended, and I was like... <laughs> Yo, 3D is such a fucking work, man. There's can no I, reason to see Can I just say that, like, I was like, oh, shit, they're going to open a Buffalo Wild Wings on Pandora? Like, <laughs> I don't understand what the stakes are here. Like, obviously, they want to terraform it, which the, we don't want. But, like, there is no reason these people could not get along if they just talked to each other. Hey, man, James Cameron don't like white people, man. He's scared of y'all motherfuckers. <laughs> James Cameron, objectively the whitest of people. <laughs> he makes the snowdrift look tan, man. <laughs> I get that he thinks he's like a merman now because he's got fancy submarines and shit. And like, I like a lot of his movies. I have stood up for him a couple of times, but this was just beyond the goddamn pale for me. So, so we not covering Avatar through the way of fire? Oh, believe me. Believe me. When the quest for Awa begins, I will fucking go. But I will <laughs> complain the whole time. Fair enough. At least you're honest about it. Fair enough. Maybe it's because both times these movies have been such social events for me. Yeah. Right? Like, I go with friends. We get a drink before or after. We We chat about it. You know, in middle school, it was like, a big deal to get permission to go see a three-hour movie. <laughs> yeah. I want it to be good. I want him to turn this around for me, especially because he is probably going to be making these movies. Uh, f like, this is probably it. 
it's yeah, like, probably as good as it's gonna get for him because he's not getting any younger. Yeah, like he's gonna. He's we talked about we talking about people perishing. He's gonna die making Avatar movies. That's pretty wild to think about. Now I have heard him say that he has a script for four and five, but he has released directorial reins. Okay. But I don't know that James Cameron is actually capable of letting go of anything. I mean, he let go of the Terminator franchise. And the Terminator that shit. franchise was taken from him, if All you right. hear him tell it. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. And the one thing I will say about him is that some of the stuff that he has said about this time period has changed over the years. So I don't actually know what the truth truth is, right? But, like, he was very involved in the making of Terminator 2 3D, for example. He really wanted that to be, like, the bridge piece between 2 and 3. Okay. Cool. Great. Interesting. And then he goes and says, okay, here are my requirements for 3. Here's my money. Here's what I need. Here's what I need. And the studio just kind of went, like, that's kind of a lot, isn't it? He gave them Terminator 2, and they said no. That's fucking wild. It's pretty wild, man. I don't know that they said no or if they just tried to bargain with him. <laughs> well, touche. Fair. But to James Cameron, any sort of relinquishing of creative control, according to him, is an affront, right? Any sort of challenge to him is an insult. So if he was like, I want a quintillion dollars, and they were like, what about quadrillion at point five? And some of the gross. He'd be like, no, 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 no. That is not my requirement. Per my last email, studio. Basically. And then, yeah. And then where do you go? Yeah. Touche. Bring him a lot of fair points. I, I see division. I see division. I wish especially he, I wish he, he doesn't. Especially because he doesn't play nicely with others. Like, And that's just kind of known about him at this point. Okay. I watched an interview with him uh, on 60 Minutes. I don't remember when it was. I think I was in high school. I think it was about, it might have been about the, the 15th anniversary of Titanic, because I was probably about that age. And the, the 15th anniversary of Titanic, I believe, roughly coincided with the release of Avatar. Yeah. And I just remember him saying, like, basically, if you can't hack it with me, get the fuck out of my movie. <laughs> God damn. His 1989 film, The Abyss, is still remembered as one of the toughest movie shoots ever. Cameron filmed it in South Carolina in a decommissioned nuclear power plant filled with 10 million gallons of water. We were underwater for 10 weeks, uh, six days a week, uh, eight to 10 hours a day, submerged. From The Abyss on through Titanic, Cameron got a reputation for driving cast and crew relentlessly, come hell or high water, to get the shot. It's not for nothing that the letters on the cap in his office stand for head, bleep, bleep, in charge. I'm not in this to phone it in or to do mediocre work. I tell everybody when we start a project, you know, we're going to the Super Bowl. Just understand that. As Martin Sheen said in Apocalypse Now, you know, don't get on the boat if you're not ready to go all the way. Do you ever cross the line from being demanding to, I don't know, impossible? Uh, I like to think not, and certainly not lately. You know, maybe in the early days there was a lack of perspective where the movie was everything. I was like, maybe I don't want to act. Like, maybe I have no interest <laughs> in being involved in movies and theater if this is just what's out there. 
I mean, he has very little women who return to his his projects, like Linda Hamilton and. Um, well, isn't that because they got divorced? Well, <laughs> what well, that that proves our point, doesn't it? <laughs> what up, though, loved ones? It is I, Brett the Hitman Hart. Welcome to the Rasslecast Power Hour. I am one third of your world podcast tag team champions, B hyphen. I am your point guard. I am the one who passes the rock to Handsome Bane. And then Handsome Bane passes the rock over to the Mark Rob, showing mad love. Now let me explain to you why the Rasslecast is the best. We're not your run-of-the-mill wrestling show. We don't talk about news. Okay, sometimes we talk about news. We don't break down what happens on every segment, every single week. We're here for the love of professional wrestling. So when we so when we have a new guest, we find out how they fell in love with professional wrestling. And then also, we have two other members. We have Ace Reporter, Kit Kat Kitteridge herself, Kat Chinetti, and then we have Microphone Fiend, novelist of the Swordcast. He comes and joins, she comes and joins. It's a great big party when all five of us are together. We call ourselves the Rasslecast Power Rangers. It's kind of a big deal. But seriously, enough of me talking. Go to your podcast listening device, Rasslecast Power Hour, five stars, follow. Make sure you don't miss any more episodes. And really, if you do, then I'll just send our secretaries after you. Sayonara, smelly nerds. What is this? <gasps> All the things my eyes can see. Ah, no, no, get away from me. Everything is new to me. You, you, stand back. Don't come near me. You do What do you call it? Call it? it, it it's a clock. Don't touch it. What to do with it? With it? It sings at six o'clock. What to do with it, with it? You tap, you smash, you shatter. Love it, I love it. Everything is to me. But speaking of a funny thing. Oh, actually, wait, before we finish this, I just want to say the one other thing I want to say about way of water. And this is something that I noticed and I don't know if it actually made it into the show. I don't think it did when we talked about it last time. The movie either had to be a half an hour long or a longer or two minute like into two parts, because the fact that the emotional crux of this film is a character death and the character is the only one we haven't learned anything about. Yeah. Is ridiculous. <laughs> I right. do not understand how we are supposed to process that as human beings. <laughs> I'm, I'm being very serious. It's like, oh, what what is it about this one? He followed directions well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Follow directions well. Anything else? No. Well, did he have a personality trait? Can't tell. Cannot like, tell. You know the kid who like never 
like always turns in like fine work at school and never participates and never displays their personality in any way. And like the teacher has to write something on the report card and they're like perfect attendance. Yeah, exactly. Or like <laughs> follows directions. Like, and it's like, what is that? What does that mean? Listen, don't get me wrong. I can only imagine how difficult it is like losing a child, but from the get-go, I was like, oh, they're going to kill that one because we know nothing about him. <laughs> we know like, we know too much about Sigourney Weaver. We know too much about the other one. But we don't know shit about this guy. We know too guy. much about goddamn Spider, and he's not going to kill the eight-year-old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big bro got to go. So, yeah. But I'm like, well, I guess it's the one with the personality of a block of wood. <laughs> Shocking, I know. A great loss to the community. Local woodblock dies. He was he was very expendable. We will not miss him <laughs> at all. Speaking of local woodblock. Guillermo's Pinocchio. So this sick fuck. So let's talk about this <laughs> motherfucker, bro. Bro, this guy, Daryl Toro, needs he needs something, man. That intro is fucking nuts, bro. There's no way this movie's for kids, right? Kids should not watch this on their own, right? Pretty sure it's PG-13. It is. It's PG? (laughs) It's PG. (laughs) No fucking way with that intro, bro. Is it PG in the same way that Gremlins is technically PG? Probably. Wasn't Jaws PG too or some shit? Yeah. Yeah, man. This guy, Guillermo, like, yo, that intro was wild, bro. <laughs> I saw the planes at first, and I was like, nah, they're not going to do that, no. And then three minutes later, they fucking did it. <laughs> that show was so crazy. Uh, man, I like the movie, though. It was a really good movie. I really liked it. Yeah, but... it is a really good movie. <laughs> oh, uh, you want to know the weirdest, uh, like, cultural dismount from that? So, Tom Kenny is the voice actor who played SpongeBob, right? Okay. It's always been him. He's done a lot of other stuff, too, but his his kind of most consistent credit is being SpongeBob. He is also Mussolini. Oh, shit. Oh, that's a hell of a CV. Whoa. Yeah, that's that's range, baby. That is. That is. Sorry, I just think that is so fucking funny. It's like, oh, what have you been doing recently? Oh, well, I was SpongeBob and I was also Mussolini and. Uh... <laughs> oh, what? <man. laughs> so actually, speaking of voice acting, I actually did appreciate that the only voice I recognized was Ian McGregor. I didn't recognize anyone else. I was very happy about that, including. Um, Kate Blanchett, who was the fucking monkey in this movie. That was a yeah. very shocking fact to learn. But your guy, Christoph Waltz, man, like, is he just like a volume shooter that can hit everything? I heard his voice and I was like, that's not. Is it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Then I was like, oh my God, it is. Hilarious. I should probably watch the behind the scenes because i don't know if they have any in booth footage but i want to see a little bit a little bit i bet that christoph waltz was just acting it like i bet they they had like 
they were like, no, you got to talk into the microphone. And he was like, I'm performing. And they're like, microphone. Like. <laughs> so, yeah, man. So what uh, what are your thoughts on this 2022 uh, version? Yeah. 2022 version of Pinocchio. Well, you're going to have to be more specific because there were four different versions of Pinocchio that came out this year. Oh, <laughs> shit, you're right. You're absolutely fucking right. Well, I'm assuming this is a good one, the best one. So I think so. So I would say that I loved this, but also I think that I agree that this is not for children. And that is not a bad thing. But like there was a moment where I was like, this might like ruin a kid for life. Like <laughs> I mean, I think it could possibly be a bad thing. Like I don't know. <sighs> Animated movies are not necessarily for children. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was so impressed by the stop motion of this, man. Yeah, it took like a bajillion years. But did you have any favorite part about Pinocchio or this new version of Pinocchio? I thought the voice cast was wonderful. I thought that the superimposition of time period was really special. Yeah. I know you thought that intro was hard as fuck, <laughs> but I loved it. Oh, no, I, I didn't dislike it. It was wild as fuck, but he pulled it off greatly. It is so much, like, work. Like, the movie is so much work. And and not just in the animation of it, in the being a single father is a lot of work. Loving this thing that you didn't even realize you created was a lot of work. Yeah. Trying to be a good citizen while staying alive and being a good person is a lot of work. Yeah. And obviously the fascists are bad, right? But, like, it does also add this this level of, like, you just see how much work everyone is doing. No one is coasting through this movie. Yeah, for real. And I really like that. I think that adds a lot to this movie. Because yeah. not only are you feeling, like, the labor of making it, but no character is just coasting through it. Everyone is is laboring. It feels like everybody has their own rock that they're pushing up the mountain, and then it rolls back down again. Even though I technically rated it higher than Puss in Boots, I think the only thing about this that I would say that I didn't necessarily... Not like dislike, but I can kind of maybe demoted for is puts in boots the two characters off the gate that i fully appreciated the whole time they're on screen in this pinocchio i think i appreciated everyone so well and i was really kind of just enamored by the animation of it i wasn't necessarily drawn to maybe one character more than the other i think i liked even mcgregor the most but did you have like anyone as far as the character that kind of stood out that was kind of your favorite or something you were like really attracted to tilda swinton oh okay all right yeah uh, hold on as which one as uh as death hello hello who are you i feel as though you've been here before i am pinocchio i'm a boy and i think i'm dead Ah, yes, I see. The wooden boy 
with the borrowed soul. My sister's folly, the sentimental fool. She gave you life, Pinocchio, when you were not supposed to have it. No more than a chair or a table should. As a result, you cannot truly, truly die. Oh boy, oh boy! And, and that's good, right? Well, it means that you are not, nor will you ever be, a real boy like Carlo. The one thing that makes human life precious and meaningful, you see, is how brief it is. Oh. Don't get me wrong. You will die many, many times. This being one of them. But they are not real deaths. Just waiting periods. I can't. Like, uh, she's on on my television right now. And I, I cannot stop looking at her. <laughs> they did a great job with her, man. They did a great job with her. Have you ever seen the pictures of Guillermo del Toro with the Pinocchio puppet on the red carpet? Yeah. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I, I think that the way that they move, especially the bigger puppets, yeah. like the fairies, yeah. the little ones are so jerky and sprightly. And I mean, even, even the, the humans and the big ones are so smooth and slow and like it's it's like watching a bundle of sticks and liquid like they're not the same <laughs> at all yeah and the fact that like people had to go through and adjust it by hand and this took three years to do yeah you can tell i was listening to a podcast series about henry selick movies lately and one of the things that they said was everyone in a henry selick movie moves like a henry it moves like henry selick okay in Coraline, for example, they they don't all walk the same way, but they all kind of do. You can all kind of see the walk motion that this is based off of. Yeah. There is so much variety of movement in this. And I know that's not really a character, but, like, it is a character detail. Yeah. That I think really lights everything up differently. Especially than what we're used to in, in stop motion. So I'm at, the, I'm at the scene where Pinocchio first dies, and he's with the rabbits. What did you feel about Pinocchio? We haven't really talked about the character of Pinocchio yet. I mean, I think he kind of sucks, but I think he kind of always sucks, <laughs> and that's kind of the point of him. <laughs> he was a, he was definitely a lot when he like first came alive. Like, I can definitely the see I, that. The idea is that by the end, right? Like he he has grown to appreciate things that he would never have been able to appreciate when he was like two days old, right? Yeah. And that's cool. But like when he starts talking with Candlewick about like when Candlewick is scared in that scene at like camp, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, he's starting to get it now. Mm -hmm. A lot of Pinocchio traditionally. Well, if, if we go back to the original one is he sucks so much he is put to death <laughs> and, and is dead. He's just a little shit and nobody wants to deal <laughs> with him. So then they kill him. Okay, yeah. I, I'm yeah. being serious. That is Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the slightly uh I'd say softer retelling is like he grows and he learns and eventually he's like still a kid, but he's like a regular kid. He's not a little sociopath anymore. And uh that's what they do here. He learns empathy by watching other people around him have it. And uh they don't cop out with him turning into a real kid. Yeah. 
Which I appreciated that piece of it. I can definitely say that. Yeah, I also think, though, that this one does a really interesting thing by uh, making Geppetto kind of a shit also. <laughs> that was surprising to me, a, a fucking alcoholic. That was pretty was pretty out there. Not, not even that he's an alcoholic. Just, like, I made you to be like Carlo. Why can't you be like Carlo? <laughs> so he, so, too, like, was a shit. Yeah, but also part, part of what you are seeing in that situation is that how could Pinocchio be a real boy if his own father couldn't see him as more than just cheap in imitation of his dead son? Yeah. There's a little bit of like a nature versus nurture thing that comes up here, which I think is pretty interesting. Yeah. Ooh, man. I didn't expect to like these movies as much as I did, man. I can I can say that honestly. I know that I supposedly don't like animation movies, but these really all hit. Uh, yeah. Both pretty strong, so... I thought they would. Good job by you. Good job by you. I mean, hey, if you were resistant to one of them, I was going to suggest we talk about Megan. Uh. <laughs> if we did Pinocchio and Megan, that would have been funny. Bustin' Boots see? and Megan. Did you see, um, you saw Megan, right? Sure did. How was it? I haven't seen it. Not good. It was fun, <laughs> but it was not good. I mean, if it's fun, that's the purpose, right? I mean, I guess. It was fun because I I was like, people have already done drag performances as Megan. Yeah. Imagine imagine if instead of this child, it was a, like a, a, a impersonation of a, of a, a woman child. <laughs> or like when she flosses someone to death. I was like, amazing. Yeah. Like 96 out of 10. Hilarious. That's funny. It should be a suspense film, but Blumhouse doesn't know how to make suspense films. So it is a horror film, but with none of the tools that Blumhouse usually uses to create successful horror, because they think they're making a suspense film. Okay. And so kind of like Megan is not a real girl, this movie is kind of not a real movie. <laughs> like, it is, Damn. it looks like a movie, it works like a movie, it talks kind of like a movie, although sometimes you're like, that's not what people say. Goddamn. <laughs> In the case of like Megan the doll, like yeah, this I I would let my kid play with this. I mean before before she starts killing people. Hilarious. But it, it's not a person. It is more of a toy than it is a movie. I kind of fucked up. I should have saw it when it was like a pop culture thing. I feel like if I watch it at home, it's gonna be probably a a mid experience. So. But maybe I'll kind of catch it. It's probably going to be HBO Max soon, so... Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth, like, checking out. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate us five stars, leave a review, and tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow cat at cat underscore chin at t on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at show and mad love, S-H-O-W-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter at cat and mark. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained? And while in Rome arguing with the Italians, Cameron had a vision, literally. I was sick with a high fever. 
had a dream of this chrome metallic death figure coming out of a fire, kind of a skeletal robot, if you will. So I, I woke up with that image in mind, did some drawings, and then constructed a story around that image. That dream image became The Terminator. The movie put Cameron on the map. Though his star, Arnold Schwarzenegger, was not the studio's first choice. I'll be back. The head of Orion, who were going to release the film, uh, called me up and said, Are you sitting down? I've cast this movie. I was at a party, and it's, Are you sitting down? It's O.J. Simpson for The Terminator. And I said, This is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. You know, I didn't know O.J. Simpson. I had nothing against him personally. And I didn't know he was going to go murder his wife later and become the real Terminator. You know. <laughs>